If you really want to read in your Bible what Jesus actually prayed, you can read um, John 17, I believe it is. John 17 is actually the Lord's Prayer, what he prayed. When he taught his disciples to pray, it's the model prayer. Now, we call it the Lord's Prayer, but it's not what he prayed. It's what he taught them how to pray, just so you know. And before we get into it today, I wanted to kind of give you a little analogy about what we're going through with this series. Um, years ago, uh, when I started pastoring, I didn't really know how to pastor or what to do. And so um, I would listen to other speakers around the world, and I had this CD series. It was a 12-disc CD series of this pastor of a mega church in Atlanta, and it was on parenting. And I listened to it every day. I mean, for a year and a half, I wore out the CDs to where they wouldn't even play anymore. And every year, the church pays for me to go on like a spiritual retreat to a conference or something. So one year, I decided, you know what, I'm going to go to this guy's church. So I went there, and he has seven church services on the weekend. He has one on Friday night, two on Saturday, four on Sunday to get everybody in. And um, I went to one of them, and afterwards, I rushed the stage just because I wanted to just shake his hand and tell him how much I enjoy his teaching. And he was so kind to me, he brought me in his conference room. And he spent four hours with me till midnight that night just teaching me. And, and I, was like, I was like, I can't believe you're doing this. And he said, well, you got questions. You're humble, so I'm going to sit here with you. He gave me books. He gave me CDs. I mean, we just spent hours together. The whole time we're talking, I remember being in awe that I'm talking to this guy. I had to use the bathroom the whole time, but I did not want to leave the meeting. Because I thought if I leave to use the bathroom, he might end it. He might say, okay, we've had enough. That's good. I don't want to break in. Boy, I want to stay there as long as he will talk to me. Every time he spoke, I actually recorded all four hours of the conversation so I could listen to it later. I did not interrupt him. I did not stop. I did not look the other direction. I didn't check my phone. I wanted to hear everything he had to say. I was in awe of this guy. Over the years, we've become great friends. He's like a spiritual father to me. And now when he calls me, I say, hey, what's up? I never want to get to the place where when I talk to God, I'm like, hey, what's up? I want to always be in awe of the fact that me, <laughs> this little man on planet earth, can talk to God any time I want to. Now I realize when we bless our food or when we're in a Bible study and we're just opening in prayer, I understand all that. But I mean in your quiet prayer time, when you're alone with Jesus, don't ever get to the place where you're like, hey, what's up? What's going on? Man, we need to be in awe. I can't believe I'm talking to you. I can't believe that, that you're going to listen to me. I can't believe you're going to respond to me. We should always have that awe factor in prayer. So Luke 11 and Matthew 6, 9 through 13, the Lord's Prayer in King James Version. For those of you that enjoy that, Jesus said, when you pray, here we go, pray like this. Our Father, which art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Good job. For your notes, the phrase we're studying today is this. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, um, this is a sermon where you're going to have to use your mind a little bit, okay? It's not like last week. Last week was very emotional. Today, you're going to have to use your brain, and here's why. It sounds like Jesus is saying, God, don't tempt us. That's what it sounds like he's saying. Jesus is saying, Lord, don't lead us to a place to be tempted. That is not what Jesus is saying at all, and here's why. God cannot tempt us. God cannot tempt you. It is out. There are some things God cannot do. 
Now, I know you say, well, God is sovereign. That means he's the supreme ruler. There are certain things God is unable to do. It's the immutability of God. And here's some things God can't do. God can't change. That's one thing he can't do. He can't ever change. Because if he could change, he could get better. And he's already best. He's perfect, so he can't change. Here's something else God can't do that I hope you're excited about. God cannot stop loving you. No matter what you ever do, he cannot not love you. He cannot stop loving you because God is love. Here's something else God can't do. God can't go against his word. If you're writing notes, he cannot go against his word. And that's why it's very important that you know the word of God because a lot of people here, they don't know the voice of God because they don't know the word of God. God will never tell you to do something that's not in his word. He will never tell you to do something. Um, if all of a sudden somebody stood up right now and started running around the room, praying in tongues and, 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 and slapping people over the head and that kind of thing, um, that's not from God because the Bible says when you pray in tongues um, around unbelievers, they'll think you're mad. And we know that there are unbelievers in our service. We know they are. They come to this church because they're just seeking God. And we understand that. And so the Bible says in every service, things should be done decency and in order. Speaking in tongues is real, but if you do it the wrong way, it's not from God. So God's not going to ask you to do that. Um, when you get paid, that first 10% is called the tithe. If you say, you know what? God's just leading me to give it to the youth department. Well, that's not from God. God already told you what to do with the first 10%. So you can't say that that's from God when it goes against his word. Understand? He said, I just, I just give the way I just feel like I should give. Just whatever God lays on my heart. He's already laid it on your heart. He told you what to do with the first 10%. So if he leads you to do something else, it's not from God. You've got to understand the voice of God will always line up with the voice of his word. If everybody was just led to give how God told them to, there'd never be any toilet paper in the bathroom. Because none of y'all would ever be like, you know what, God's leading me to purchase the toilet paper for the church. That's what I need to do today. I just feel it in my spirit. It's not going to happen. So we cannot go against God's word because God will never speak against his word. And he cannot tempt us. James 1.13, let no one say when he is tempted, I'm tempted of God. For God is incapable of being tempted by evil and he himself tempts no one. So here's the point I'm making. It sounds like Jesus is saying, don't let us be tempted. You know, don't lead us into temptation, which God will never do. Now, here's why we need to understand that sometimes when you read things in the Bible, it doesn't make sense. And here's why. If you ever read something in the Bible that you don't understand, the reason you don't understand it is because you don't understand it. Okay, I know that's really deep for y'all. You have to think about it later. The point is, it's not the Bible's fault, it's because we don't understand it. And this is why we should have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, because the Bible says the Holy Spirit reveals things to us in his word. There are theologians and historians all over the world that know this book backwards and forwards. They believe it, they know it's true, they have proof of everything in here, but they don't have a relationship with Jesus, so they're not getting into heaven. Then you got a lot of Christians that have a relationship with Jesus, but they don't ever study or read the word. we got to put those two things together, because when things like this come up in the scripture, you think, man, the Bible's contradicting itself. It says, lead us not into temptation, and we're praying to God, but then the next scripture says that God will never, ever, ever tempt us. So what's going on? Let me explain it to you. There are different translations of the Bible. One is King James Version. For some reason, a lot of religious people think the King James Version is the best. I've had people that have come to this church and they love the sermon, they love the music, and they come to me and they say, we love this church, but we cannot attend here. I said, why? They said, because you preach out of other translations besides the, King's James, besides the King James Version. And when I tell them this, it shocks them, but I look at them and I say, you do know that Jesus did not speak English when he was on earth, right? <gasps> you know Jesus wasn't from America either. <gasps> 
You know, Jesus never said the word thus or thou the whole time he was on planet earth. He didn't do that. The King James Version is one of many great translations. But in this passage, we see that when they translated, when they interpreted the Bible, they didn't use the correct word. And here's how I know this. The same exact word used for temptation in this passage is the same exact Greek word that is used in James when they use the word tests or trials. God will test us, but he will never tempt us. It's like if I were to say to you, man, that's cool. You would pretty much think that I'm talking about the quality that is very neat. If y'all know what that word means, neat. But now a hundred years ago, if I said, man, that's so cool, everyone would think I'm talking about the temperature. Same word, a hundred years later, same country, same language, and things have changed. This is why it's one thing to have a relationship with God, and it's another thing to know the word and study the word of God. Are we all on the same page? So I'm going to give you three phrases that basically lead us not into temptation. Is actually saying when Jesus taught it to his disciples. And here's those three phrases. One is, lead us away from the tempter. Notice it's capitalized because in the Bible, Satan is referred to as the tempter. And help us overcome any challenge. Here's another phrase. Keep us safe from the devil and keep us safe from ourselves. Basically, lead us not into temptation is a daily prayer of asking God to protect us from Satan and to help us with our flesh patterns. Everybody say flesh patterns. Say it like you know you got it. Say flesh patterns. Okay, good. <laughs> I should have said say it like you know your neighbor's got it. Flesh patterns! Okay, so, so let me tell you about flesh patterns. I, I get this question a lot. I get it asked via email. I got it asked in every church we went to in Jamaica. People ask me here. They say, John Paul, what do I do about an area in my life that I keep failing in over and over and over and over again. I'm trying to be a good Christian, trying to do my best, and it seems like this one addiction or this bad habit or this same thing I just keep failing, and I can't stand that I do it, and I don't want to do it, but I give in every time over and over again. What do I do? The first thing I tell them is you always repent. You never stop confessing it as sin to God. But here's the second thing is this. Uh, remember the story of Jacob whenever he wrestled with the angel and at the end God blessed him and changed his name to Israel and a nation came out of him? Well, even though Jacob was blessed by God, God gave him a limp. Everybody say limp. He did something to his hip and to where Jacob, the rest of his life, he spent his life blessed. He was prosperous. He was a great leader. However, he had a limp everywhere he went. Remember when the Apostle Paul prayed three times, and if there was any prayer request God should answer, it should be the Apostle Paul's. He said, remove this thorn from my flesh. Three times. Did God answer his prayer, yes or no? No. God said, listen, I'm not going to do that, but here's what I am going to do. My grace is sufficient for you. So yes, God answered his prayer, but he didn't give him what he wanted. He gave him what he needed. Now, here's the point I'm making. Everyone in this room has a limp. We all do. Your limp may be food, your limp may be bad thoughts, your limp may be negativity, your limp may be you're always late for things, whatever it is, you got a limp. I believe that God allows us to have limps in our life so we will rely on him every single day for help. My limp is impatience. I am incredibly, and I've gotten a lot better over the years, but I'm incredibly impatient. Now, if God removed that out of my life, I can tell you the truth, I probably would not pray as much as I do. I have to pray daily. God, help me to stay peaceful. Help me to not be impatient. God, help me to you know, treat people accordingly and be respectful to them, even if they're much slower than I am. Please, God, help me not kill anybody today or cuss them out. You know, I'm a pastor. Please, God. And so every day I got to pray for my limp. 
That's what this prayer is. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, saying, God, I got a limp. And every day I need you. Maybe it's depression. Every day when I wake up, I got to pray, Lord, help me the joy stay strong in my life. Every day we have to rely on God when it comes to our limp. If he removed it, you probably would not seek God as much as you do. Everybody understand limps? Okay, so here's three points for today's sermon. Each point is five minutes, so it should be good and quick. Here we go. Number one, God tests us. God does not tempt us. God will never tempt us, but God tests us. Every single day we're tested. Every day. Every single day. Now, here's what happens. God tests you to promote you. You've got to make sure you understand the purpose of a test is to promote you. It's just like in school. The teacher doesn't say, you know what, I really don't like you, so I'm going to give you a test. No, the teacher says, I love you. I want you to grow. I want you to see if you recognize the areas that you need to have more wisdom in, so I'm going to give you a test for you to see if you can go to the next level. In life, the only way we're going to get promoted by God is by passing the tests of faith that we face every single day. Tests bring to light the impurity that's in our character. It shows us the things we need to rely on God and the things we need to ask for help and the things we need to overcome. James 1-2 says, Consider it a gift when tests come. Under pressure, your faith is forced into the open. Let it do its work so you become fully developed, lacking in nothing. Every day we're tested. You know, today you're going to be tested. When you go out the parking lot, if you're impatient like me, God's going to put you behind the slowest driver in this whole room. It's going to be some person from up north. They're going to be up there at the front. They're going to look both ways 12 times, and then they're going to look at their phone and then look both ways 12 times again, and you're going to see that license plate says Vermont or something like that because they've been, and you're going to want to cuss them out so bad like you good southerners always do, and God's going to say, you've got to have peace. I'm testing you. Listen, every time you get a paycheck, you're tested. Every time. The second you're handed a paycheck, God said, okay, it's a test. Let's see. I want you to pass the test. I want to open up the windows of heaven in your life and pour out a blessing, but it's up to you. It's up to you. It's a test. Um, on Sunday morning, whenever you wake up, you're tested. The enemy comes in and tempts you, says, sleep in. You can watch it online. It's just as good. Just get the CD. And God's saying, no, pass the test. I reward those who diligently seek after me. Go to church. Serve somebody. It's a test. We are tested every single day. Oh, listen to this. Every time you get offended, you're tested. Do you know that God wants you to get offended? He wants people to hurt your feelings so you can learn how to forgive. The only way you will ever learn how to grow in the area of mercy and forgiveness is if people hurt your feelings. Think about it. You can say all day long, man, I never, you know, I'm always giving people mercy and I never get offended and I never have unforgiveness in my heart. Well, let's wait till somebody hurts your feelings and then see how you handle it. God allows us to go through these things. Deuteronomy 8.2 says, The Lord led Israel. Listen, he led them in the wilderness to test them. Everybody say, test me. Test me. Now, just as a foreshadowing for the New Testament, who else do we know that God led in the wilderness to test him? Jesus. Now, when God led him to test him and prepare Jesus for crucifixion and the cross, who came in there to tempt him? The devil, that's right. So God led him in the wilderness to test him, to know what was in your heart and to prepare you for war. Here's what God knew. There's giants in the land. I need to make sure that you are able to trust me to have the courage that you need to be fearless. So I'm going to test you. I've got to get your heart and your character prepared for this or else when you face the giants, you're going to run back to Egypt. God knew what the future held. Before we ever get to our promised land, there will always be a wilderness experience. 
Before you ever get promoted, you will always go through a time of testing. Unfortunately, there's some of you in this room, you've been taking the same test for decades. Decades, okay? It's like Soxy High School students. You just keep failing tests and going back. I'm just kidding. That's a joke. Anyway, so before you get to your promised land, you want to get promoted. You think you're ready, but God knows your heart. God knows your heart. What test are you not passing? What's going on in your life where you keep seeing this over and over and over again? And every time it comes, you blame somebody else. My parents, my friends. It's God's fault. It's the devil's fault. For once, you say, God, I need your help in this area. Help me to pass this test. The sad thing about the children of Israel is in Deuteronomy 1-2. It says it took 11 days to get there, but it took them 40 years. 40 years years they went around the same mountain here's why they would not pass the test of complaining all they did was complain no matter what God gave gave them they complained they wouldn't be grateful they wouldn't praise they wouldn't say thank you Jesus every time God did something they complained and guess what that complaining spirit stating them for four decades can you believe their destiny was destroyed by simply the fact that they loved to complain that one thing. They kept going around the mountain over and over and over and over. They never made it into their promised land because they would not pass the test. James 1.12 says that God will reveal, nope, God will reward those who succeed in passing, I need glasses, passing the tests of faith. You know, I was thinking about this. Last week, remember we talked about unforgiveness and dealing with people that have hurt us. I thought about this. The scripture in Matthew 5.44 that says to pray for those that have hurt you and bless those that persecute you. We will never grow in that scripture unless somebody persecutes us and hurts us. You ever think about that? You can never, never, God will never develop your character to the point where you can actually bless your enemies and pray for those that persecute you unless God allows somebody to persecute you. Here's my question. In what area is God trying to promote you? It'll be up there. There we go. What area? What area has God been trying to develop you? Here's the answer to that. Same area that you probably keep seeing in your life over and over and over and over again. Okay, so number one, God tests us. Here's number two, Satan tempts us. Now, if God tests us to promote us, Satan tempts us to destroy us. And one of the main things we can do to help with temptation is this. we got to recognize the enemy. Just like you know the voice of God based on his word, you should know the voice of the enemy based on God's word because he will always twi- twist scripture. He'll always lie. Somebody said to me the other day, they said, um, how do I know if Satan's lying to me? I said, if he's moving his lips. If he's moving his lips, he's lying. 2 Corinthians 2.11 says this, know the plans and the intentions of Satan. Satan studies us. He sends his demons out to study our flesh patterns. They even study our bloodline. They see the areas that our parents failed and our grandparents failed and over and over again, and they'll tempt you in those same areas. I'm sure you've heard the phrase, um, we're only as strong as our weakest link. Normally that's talking about a basketball team or a music team or something like that. But I believe as individuals, we are only as strong as our individual weakest link. In other words, you could be the kindest person, you can be a giver in life, you can come to church, you can work hard, but if you're late everywhere you go, I mean for everything, you give somebody your word, I'll be there at 1230 and you're there at 1 o'clock and it's like this in your life every other day, you are only as strong as that weakest link. That one weak link will destroy your life unless you pray and ask God to help you. You can be a kind person, you can be full of joy, you can be sweet to people, but if you're greedy and stingy, that one weak link will destroy your life. 
we got to find out what our weak link is and ask God to help us. Here's another thing. Get to know yourself. Get to know the things that God, the, the, the enemy tempts you in. Me personally, I am not tempted to be lazy at all. I've never been tempted to be lazy. I am not tempted to, to, to do drugs. Not tempted to do drugs at all. I'm not tempted to cuss people out. Well, okay, hold on a minute. I had that in my notes several days ago. Other than yesterday, I'm not ever tempted to cuss people out, ever. Yesterday was not a good day. I, um, everything that could go wrong, I, I was going to spend the whole day with my, my kids, and we were doing all these fun things, going to comic book places and all, and my Dukes of Hazard horn that I ordered, my brother was going to install it. That didn't work. I lost a $100 bill at some garage sale we went to. That was really upsetting. Um, what else? Said? Oh, my re- I got some new, me and Eli got some new records at, the, at one of the thrift stores, and my record player broke when I got home. Uh, I came to church here last night to get everything ready, and all the air conditioning units broke. So I had somebody here early this morning to make sure it'd be going. Everything that could go wrong, I wanted to cuss somebody out really bad. And the other day I went to the, <laughs> man, why do I tell you all these things? Anyway, I went to the dollar store to get a bunch of flip-flops, you know, for church. It's the dollar store. And so I, I get like 40 pairs of flip-flops. And um, we're down to the last few ones. And, you know, my, my problem is impatience. And it seems like, uh, it seems like, God keeps testing me in this area, and Satan tempts me in this area every single day. Does anybody else battle impatience besides me? Okay, y'all like, hurry up and get done with the sermon. Hurry up and finish the sermon now. Okay, so I'm at the dollar store. I'm at the dollar store, and like, it's the, the, the clerk's new. It seems like no matter how hard I try, when I go to Walmart, I'll, I'll look at all the lines, and I'll, there'll be 10 people, 10 people, and I'll be like, I'll rush to get the one that's got one person, and God is the one that's every time the one person, the clerk's brand new, God bless her heart, and the lady in front of me has 10 items that don't have things on them. They don't have the thing. Anyway, at the dollar store, I did that, and so we're going through, and the girl's like, and she's new. She said, um, oh, there's not, a, there's not a, a tag to scan. I said, we're at the dollar store. I said, everything's a dollar. Like, just put in a dollar. She said, she said well, I got to scan something. I said, I have 40 pairs of flip-flops, and you're holding one of those pairs. Scan anyone, anyone here. She's like, oh, I need to call a manager. I said, honey, you don't need to call your manager. I promise, just scan this. It'll be okay. I might have not passed that test. I might have fallen into temptation. I don't know if I did or not. Anyway, anyway, you got to get to know yourself. Okay, Matthew 4, 3. After fasting 40 days and nights, this is a very powerful scripture. After fasting 40 days and nights, Jesus was hungry. Then the tempter, who is tempter? Everybody say his name. Satan says, if you are God's son, turn these stones into bread. Let me tell you why this is so powerful. Satan did not tempt Jesus to gossip. Satan did not tempt Jesus to look at pornography. Satan did not tempt Jesus to hang out with the wrong crowd. Satan tempted Jesus in the area that his flesh was craving you got to get to know your flesh to know what it craves because that's the area Satan's going to tempt you in. Isn't this an amazing scripture? Satan Satan studied Jesus. What is he battling right now? What's going through his mind? What's going through his body? And he's trying to find out what's he he craving. Is he craving people to come and hang out? Is he craving drugs? Is he craving sex? What's he craving? He's craving food. I'll tempt him in that area. That's amazing to me. And that ama- we got to know the areas that our flesh is craving. I mean, you go by Krispy Kreme and that hot sign comes on, you better go the other way as quick as you can. You think, man, all I need is one dozen and I'll be okay. That's all I got to have. No. Okay, so the word temptation, I want to show you this. The word temptation 
in the Bible, it means enticing. It actually comes from a phrase to draw away. And so, um, Randy, don't make fun of me. I've never fished in my life. But anyway, so um, it's, it's what, if you read the commentaries, this is what it's in reference to. It's almost like a, a body of believers, a church family. A church family that's going in a certain direction together. And Satan comes along and tries to pull them out of the direction that they're supposed to be going in with their body of believers. Pulls them out of the church almost. Another commentary with temptation is like um, a school of fish. All the fish are going in one direction, and something comes along with a hook. And you don't see the hook. This is a gummy worm. You see what's on the end of the hook. And this is what Satan uses to draw us away from God. I know you want it. Come on. Everybody's doing it. Everybody's doing it. Your friends will think you're cool. You've been, listen, you haven't had none of this in years. If you get it today, it'll feel so good. This is what Satan does to every single one of us, right? Listen, there's even a scripture that talks about when you're married, don't withhold sex from your spouse because it says then Satan can't tempt you. Can't tempt you. Listen, Satan always tempts us with what we are craving the most. Look, it doesn't look so good. Listen, no one will know. Nobody will find out. The problem is, is you don't see the hook that's on the other side. All you see is that thing that you've been thinking about, that you've been wanting so bad. And now let me ask this. Is it enough for us to just... um, for us to just um, 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 not give in. It's enough um, um, to resist. Is it just enough to resist? If we resist, will Satan stop doing this? No. It says, to, it says submit yourself to God, then resist the devil and he'll flee. Submit yourself to God is pray, ask God for help. So listen, worms won't do it. All you do is resist. Satan will just put something else in there. Now come on, what will you do for this? Huh? Now you don't like worms, I bet you like money. What do you do for money? Doesn't that look so good? Puts it in front of your eyes. If I had a Krispy Kreme, I had, I had Krispy Kreme donuts in there, but I ate it before service. <laughs> ah, just kidding. That was so funny. Okay, so listen. Let me show you something. So money won't do it for you. So I had, I had Micah make me something. So listen, money won't do it. Let me tell you, we live in Myrtle Beach, okay? It's not like that. Let me tell you what it's like in Myrtle Beach. Here's what it's like in Myrtle Beach. This is what it's like right here. Look at that. Oh, man, now that looks good. Oh, good night. Just leave it. Just leave church now. Let's just go home. This can, oh, look. Look, at, I got a scratch lottery ticket on there. That looks good. I got some cigarettes, but that's not tobacco in there. That looks good. I got, oh, there's some beer. That looks good. There was a condom on here somewhere. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Now, now we're talking, right? This is Myrtle Beach right here. Get that on camera. That'll sell. That's good right there. Okay. I got dice. Okay. It, now listen, isn't that what it's like in Myrtle Beach? Honestly? Now you might, you might think you're this perfectly good Christian that you, know, you never get tempted. Do you know it's not a sin to be tempted? And the Bible says everybody's tempted. You just got to know. Let me ask you a question. Is sin fun? Yes or no? Good job. Is sin pleasurable? Yes or no? Yes, Hebrews eleven twenty five. Sin brings pleasure and it's fun for a season. See, it's after that season that you realize the whole there's a hook. I didn't even see the hook. Didn't even see it. All I saw was the pleasure, the fun. One is God tests us. Two is Satan tempts us. Number three, final point: prayer helps us. Prayer helps us. Thank God for prayer. Jesus was telling his disciples about his crucifixion and the events that were about to take place in his life. 
And Jesus said something very important to them. He said, listen, you're going to be tempted. You're going to be tempted to deny me. You're going to be tempted to turn your back on me. You're going to be tempted to, to, to say you don't know me. And here, and here's what Peter said, because Peter always had a mouth on him. In verse uh, Matthew 26, 35, Jesus, even if I must die, I'll never deny you. Now, Peter had a mouth. He always said the wrong things, always was quick-tempered, want to be first. You would think that Peter, when Jesus said, you're going to fall into temptation, you would think that Peter would get on his knees and say, Lord, help me not fall into temptation. In fact, Jesus told him in verse 41, pray, Peter, so you don't fall. Just pray. That's the answer. Just pray. Ask me for help. No, Jesus, I got this. I've been a Christian all these years. I'll never fail in this area. I've been tempted with this all my life. Never once. It's not going to happen. I'll never deny you. Jesus, I spent years with you. I know you love me. I know you're the Messiah. I will not deny you. But he would not humble himself. Just ask God for help. You know why? We think a lot of times if we don't tell God that we're tempted, he won't know. If we don't tell God that we got a problem in this area, then he'll never find out. And he'll be pleased with us and we'll just everything's going to be you know, great. He already knows. Verse 74, when they asked Peter if he knew Jesus, he began to curse and swear. Blankety blank, don't know him. In fact, if you study the Bible, you'll find out right when Peter denied him the third time, Jesus' blood was pouring down his face the other end of the, um, not the garden, but the other end of the uh, field or whatever you want to call it. Their eyes actually met. Their eyes met. I blankety blank don't know him. And here's Jesus getting beat for the sins of Peter. And their eyes meet across the courtyard. I can tell you, in that moment, here's what Peter thought. Why didn't I pray? Why didn't I pray? Just a few minutes. God would have strengthened me. Why, would, why didn't I pray? 1 Corinthians 10, 12, Let he who thinks he can stand a temptation take heed, lest he fall into sin. A lot of times I see religious people, they've been in church all their life and they have a religious pride. They think they're better than other people. But listen, we all battle. Everyone in this room has a limp. We all have a limp. Verse 13, God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond your power to resist. He will always provide a way out. His provision is prayer.